Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Now, um, I'm going to finish up today on this on this subject of God prospering you. Yeah, remember, uh, I said on First Peter one all these months ago, and and, and my, my job in, in the church, if you like, is to is to help point, keep pointing you to Jesus and his work for you so that when the word comes and brings revelation, you can walk into the, into the fullness of what God has for you. Do you get that? All right. And, uh, and so, so whenever I, I, I am, I'm speaking something, I am always kind of aware, you know, I just don't go, here's a great topic. Why don't we preach this? That's not the way that it works. What we do is we listen to the Lord and we go, Lord, what's going on, not just in the world, but what, do you, what are the words that you're planting as seed? into people's lives right now so that at the right time the fruit comes. Do you get that? And I've been talking about God prospering you and uh, it's, it's very countercultural. but First Peter 1 says, set your hope fully on grace. Remember that first? First Peter 1, set up loads of times, right? And um, I'm, I'm saying these, these are times where you gotta set your hope fully on the grace of God, the unmerited favor of Jesus because you set your hope on anything else and it's all better off because you don't know whether you're stuffed or mounted from one day to the next and what's going on, right? We don't know. And when, and when you look into 2023, all I can say is that things like media and all that kind of stuff have just are already preparing a diet of fear for you. You get that? Don't take the bait, all right? Don't like live off the grid and eat beans and live in the mornings. I'm not saying that, right? But what I'm saying is don't take the bait in terms of letting like corporations and people with agendas set the tone for your life. You would need to be bonkers to allow them to do that. Do you realize that when they, they're just using you like a product, saying this is what's happening, this is what's next, this is the new thing, and we all go, boom, take the bait and live that way? Like, can we wise up for 2023 and go, we're not going to do that? It's not going to be the way that we're going to live. We're going to let the word of God, the grace of God, and the work of Jesus determine how we live, the way that we live, and what we're going to see in our lives next year. Amen? Okay, that's, that's really important. Um, because like God wants you to prosper. Let me just say this um, couple of verses just to remind you to set the tone for this morning. Psalm 35, 27 says that, you know, um, that it's God's delight for you to prosper. And I was trying to encourage you that you will never prosper unless you believe that it's God's will for you to prosper. So the end of religious thinking, which goes, oh, do you know what? Oh, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. Yeah, that's all true. Um, but actually, he's, it's really explicit. That it is God's will for you to prosper. The Hebrew word shalah, it means to press forward, push on. It carries the whole idea of thriving and succeeding in everything. And I've said week after week, prosperity is not about your circumstances. Prosperity is faith, all right? It's, it's, I'm going to talk about this this morning. I talked about it last week. Prosperity does not start in your circumstances, doesn't depend on your circumstances, is not defined by your circumstances. Prosperity starts with the presence of Jesus in your life. And if you have the presence of Jesus, which you do, because every one of you this morning has the Holy Spirit, that's Jesus in you. According to the Bible, all the way back to Genesis 39, it says that, as it said of Joseph, you know, the Lord was with him and the Lord made everything prosperous thereof. Okay, so the presence of Jesus, not what you have, but who you have, is why you can say this morning, Lord, I am prospered. Now, that's a declaration of faith, but what we want to do is we want to take that declaration of faith and we want to move into it in 2023. So it's not just something that sounds good. Because even this morning, honestly, as I, we're sitting singing, I'm no longer asleep to fear, apart from when I walk out of here. Anyone? Isn't it brilliant when you're singing it and you feel that you get the hair in the back of your neck stuff going on? You get the tickles and, yes, Lord! All right? Two minutes out the door today. Oh, hold on. Boom, boom. It all comes at me. Right? And you can't walk around singing that song to yourself all the way because you'll be a weirdo, all right? So there's this disconnect, isn't there, between longest of the fear apart from most of the week, all right? <laughs> Anyone? Or is that just me? You just all walk in a cloud of glory, right? Because I'm going to tell you one of the biggest things that, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about money this morning, about giving. And so uh, I'm going to give you a light touch on it this morning so you get the heart of God for you, all right? So... Because you can't talk about prospering and not talk about this. You know, because fear will suck the life out of you. John 14, 1 says, don't, Jesus said to you and says to you this morning, don't let your hearts be troubled, right? In the world, you're gonna have lots of stuff, but what does he say? I have overcome the world. 
So don't let your hearts be troubled. If you've got a troubled heart this morning, particularly when you think about provision and money, then let the Lord minister to you as the word comes this morning. Because like I said, I spent time last week looking at Isaac, looking at these principles in the word of God, where like in Genesis 26, there's a serious problem. There's famine in the land. The the soil is rubbish. And the Lord says to him, against all of the wisdom of the day, Isaac is going to do a bolter, as we would say. He's going to run and he's going to go to where the world is and try to do what the world does in order to see him and his family get through. And the Lord says, stop, don't do it. In faith, stay where you are and sow where you are. And all of us go, oh, it's a great story. And then it comes to our lives and the Lord's saying the same thing. You might be looking around at lack, at famine. Now, none of us are gonna die over Christmas. Do you get that? All right? We're not in this situation. In our heads, we multiply it up to be something massive, but we're not. But the Lord says the same thing. Stay where you are and in faith, so. Because he is the one that watches over the seed to see it perform. I'm going to talk about that today because what, what, what my, like my title is this morning is to sow requires faith and faith is rooted in God's love for you. The more you know that you're loved by God, the more faith that you will have. You don't muster faith up. Faith is given to you as a gift from God. You've all got it. You've been given the measure of faith. It's in you. Now, your feelings are not your faith. Do you get that? Your feelings are just your response to the world around you. You see something, you feel a certain way because of how you're esteeming your ability to navigate through whatever's in front of you. That's emotion. Emotions are not faith. Faith is a decision of our response based on who Jesus is and what he has revealed himself to be. Do you get that? Now, your feelings will catch up, but if you live captive to your feelings, right, you will be up and down like a fiddler's elbow not knowing whether you're stuffed, mounted, or something in between, all right? The world lives by feelings. And, but what the Lord says to us, you know, they, they live by sight. Do you get that? I see it, I respond to it, and I feel a certain way. And the Lord says to you this morning, you're not called to live that way. You're not called to live by what you see, by what, by, but, but by faith of what I've, that was hard to say. But, but, and I wasn't even out last night, all right? <laughs> but by faith on, uh, on what the Lord's done in you. Do you understand? All right? You get that? And so, and, and so when it comes to see it, that, that, that Isaac must have gone, flip me, all right? And I said to you last week, you know, Isaac had in his mind how he was going to work that out. There's no famine over there, it looks like. Lord appeared to him, gives him a word, says, don't go so. And the bottom line is he sees a massive return against all the odds. Folks, what I've been trying to say to you is if you want to prosper God's way, you will never prosper supernaturally with natural means. Do you get me? The prosperity of the Lord in your life is a faith act and it is a supernatural act. It is never done. You cannot maneuver and work your way into the supernatural prosperity of God in your life simply by doing it naturally. It doesn't work. Why? Because it's a supernatural act of God. Do you get that? Now, I don't know about you, but in every area of your life, do you want to see the supernatural favor of God against all the odds? Yeah? Or are you just kind of happy to, to do like a halfway house and live your life that way? I don't know about you. I want to see the supernatural favor of God. I want my days to be ones where I look back and go, holy smokes, wasn't that crazy? Like I'm a buck agent and look what God did, right? No matter what I put my hand to, the Lord blessed it. Despite my failings, despite my weakness, despite my whatever, the Lord saw that my response of what? Of perfection? No, my response of trust and went, where I see that, the Lord says, I move and I bless, right? Why? Because it's about your goodness. No, it's about my grace and about my name in all of the earth, the Lord says. You get that? So supernatural favor in your life is not worked through natural means. And some of us haven't quite got that. We're sitting halfway housed this morning going, I, I, I kind of, I, I want it. I see it. My heart responds because your heart will respond to truth. When I give you the truth from the word, don't be surprised when something in you goes, yes, Amen? And then I'm no longer a slave. Yes, bring out the door. Oh my goodness. This is just far too tricky, right? Let's get into the word. I'm going to show you something. I'm just going to give you some principles this morning because um, this thing in Hebrews 4, I said this is my last, my last roundup point. Flip, this has been a good, a good number of weeks, actually. See, when I do this, I preach myself happy and go, this is good stuff, isn't it? It's flipping great stuff, actually. 
All right? What it says in Hebrews 4 is that when grace comes to you, when truth comes to you, you've got to mix it with faith. Do you get that? It is by grace you have been saved, amen, through faith. And this balance, it's, it, it, we talk about balance in a really negative way. But, but what we do is we have to have faith in what grace can do. Do you get that? It's like when, whenever the grace of God appears, the Lord is not going to just ramroad his way through your life. He, he, what, Jesus did it all the time. He always left us with a challenge. Look at what he did to people. You know, he showed unbelievable grace, led them to unbelievable breakthrough, but he always called them and said, look what, what I'm calling you for. This is the promise. Now, how do you respond? You know, go wash your eyes, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Do you get me? Grace, I think, always demands a response from us. And that response is not to do, but to believe. And when we believe, we will do. Yeah? Is that making sense? Yeah. Awesome. So, because it's really important. I don't want you living frustrated next year. Saying, the Lord's not coming through for me, and the Lord's this, and the Lord's that, and the Lord's the other, right? It's already, I'm going to show you today from the Word, it's already there. When you look into 2023, every bit of provision, every bit of need is already met. So everyone just take a big, oh, relax, right? Take a big breath, go for it. And go, he's already got it covered, not just a little bit, all of it and more. It's all there. It's sitting there waiting for you to walk into. Why? Because that's what he says he does. Now he says, will you respond and believe me for it? Will you respond? Then you kind of go, how do we do that? We do that in our giving. That's why we give. Let me show you it here because this is the heart of faith. Like Jesus reveals, we respond. And, you know, it's difficult, right? Like the, at the heart of this, at the heart of sowing anything is the question, this question of faith. But, and, and let me tell you why. If you think about seed, the Lord uses these pictures of seeds, right? And it's a really interesting picture. The whole way through, uh, I've been reading lots about seeds, right? It, it, it kind of melts your head a wee bit. But the whole thing of seed in the Bible is really interesting. But, but essentially, I want to just say three very quick things. You can only sow seeds if you have faith that something remarkable is going to happen. Do you get that? That's the only reason why you would do it. And that something is going to happen. And when you sow, it's hidden from sight. This is, this is the problem. You live by sight. You don't live by faith. One nullifies the other. But when it comes, when God says, respond to my grace through faith by sowing, okay? And I'm talking about your money. What's, what happens is in that place, it, it's almost like it happens in the dark. I'm going to talk about this next week for Christmas. It's a really interesting one, like the 400 years between the old and the new. And what was God, are you talking, one of us is talking next week, okay? I've got the look there from Penny, because we've been talking about this at home, right? And uh, it's incredible, but it looks like sometimes in the darkness that nothing's happened, but that's when God does his best work. Let me tell you, you're going to see it as we get into Christmas. And it, it requires faith in a process, right? Because if you didn't have faith for a process or an outcome, you wouldn't sow at all. And if you think, why do I find it difficult to sow? Why do I find it difficult to tithe? It's because you've got a lack of faith that God is working in the process to bring about the fruit. That's just why. Not gonna, not gonna make it any easier than that. That's what's going on. Now, I, I, think, I th honestly think that, well, here's what's interesting. When it comes to this stuff, Jesus says this is the least. You get that? What are you believing for in your body, in your family, around you for next year? What are you believing for in terms of increase and the ability to receive from the Lord? Because this stuff, Jesus said, his own words, this is, the, this is the, the least of it all. Like, let's not even, it's, it's almost like he's not, like, knocking us down and going, oh, for goodness sake, you should be better than this. He's just going, this is the least. Like, don't even worry about this, because I have got so much more for you, right? And um, I'm going to talk about that in, in the new year. But he, he, here's the three things, right, that you, that you probably struggle with. Firstly, it's the appearance of the seed is a difficulty. Because when you have seed, it bears little or no resemblance to the plant that it's going to produce. Isn't that right? A seed doesn't look like what it's going to produce. So in sight, natural, we look at the seed and go, well, that's never going to be that. Right? For people like me, this is interesting. My man and dad built a... Are they here this morning? Oh, they're helping the kids. Brilliant. So... Um, 
<laughs> during lockdown, they went a wee bit crazy on the whole buy a greenhouse and plant stuff, right? So, like, if I have to eat any more tomatoes, my man's continually running to our house going, we bag of tomatoes for him. Like, well, I'm going to turn into a tomato, right? Or cucumbers or whatever. And uh, God love them. It's, it's like, I don't know, they, they seem to love it. But do you know my difficulty is to have all these? I, I, don't, I know my natural responses. I look at, you know, the pictures. You ever picked up a thing of seeds? And it says picture of a garden. It's all rosy. And this is what this is going to do. And you look in and it's dry, dusty, wee, tiny things. And you go, ah, I could be bothered about that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm just going to go to Tesco's and buy a cucumber for ADP, all right? Why would I wait six months for this sucker to grow out of the ground? Because it ain't going to look like that anyway. It never, it never looks like what's on the packet, does it? You see growers, never looks like it. You look at the wee seeds and you go, flip me, no way. Tesco, Tesco, the lights of Tesco. And they've got them cleaned and wrapped and all for you. And so what's difficulty is when you look by sight, when you look naturally, the Lord says, don't look naturally because the seed doesn't bear any resemblance to what it's going to produce. Do you get that? And so we get mixed up on this. We go, we have no idea what grace can do. Think about Jesus and the 5,000. Okay, what he was able to do as he gave thanks and declared good, the grace of his father over a wee lad's lunch bore no resemblance to what the result was. Do you get that? That the natural way of the disciples working it out looked at the natural and Jesus saw the supernatural supply, but one didn't look like the other. When you give, it doesn't look like what, you know, you can imagine what the Lord's going to do. And so what you do is you go, well, if I can't see that, because we're so carnally led at times, folks, because we can't see this, we just focus on that. And we go, that's never going to work into that. So I hold my seed, right? The second thing is this, is that it takes faith to sow because of what the ground looks like before it's sown. You, do you know in the parable of the sower, it's not actually about the sower. That's the parable of the soil. Do you get that? Because it wasn't about the seed. There was nothing wrong with the seed. You get that? It was a pro- the problem was what? Where did the seed land? Its ability to produce was not based on this. The different bits of the ground didn't get different bits of seed. They all got the same seed, but some produced and some didn't. You get it? So sometimes what we do, when we look at our lives, we go, you know, it's not like we're kind of like being napalmed and we're like kind of like our our lives are off. Look at you all look lovely this morning, right? Thank you. You more lovely than the rest of them, to be fair, after that comment, right? You all look well-fed and healthy and lovely and all that stuff, right? And so sometimes you look at your life and you go, you see some of the weeds, some of it looks unremarkable. Some of you think, when, you look at, when I look at my life and I look at my experience so far, that's the soil, right? I can't imagine that me doing this is going to make any difference to that. Because we're looking at the ground. We're looking at it the wrong way. Do you get that? We're looking at it and going, well, there's bits of life and there's a wee bit of God and there's a bit of that. But I can't see how this, my life, is going to produce multiple return as I receive the word of God and I'm generous. I just can't see that. The problem is in the seed. It doesn't look like this, but also the problem's the ground. What about me? What about my, what, how could God supernaturally bless my life when I look at the ground? You might even think this about the church. How could God bless this thing? Like, look at it. We're all flipping people just making it up as we go along and hoping and trusting in the grace of God, right? And if anyone tells you any different, they're spoofers. I've seen the massive churches up close and they ain't all that. So don't go by the Instagrams. That's the truth, all right? But what's the difference? Faith to believe what God can do. That's the, tr- that's the difference. The third thing is this, is, uh, is knowing that the conditions for growth need to be right. That's why sowing in faith is required. Like, are the conditions for growth right? You know, it's like, um, it's funny in the natural, you know, they say, like, I know Mark Donnelly's got man flu today. Light a candle for him later on, man. Another victim, man. Do you know what I mean? I've come through it, but we have a man down, so we need to be careful, all right? So Don, Donnie there's fighting the old man flu. And, uh, but he, he'll tell you, because he's a gardener, and, and Ivan, and those guys know their stuff. And they'll say, like, they were, they were telling me, oh, don't cut your head. I don't cut my head yet anyway, all right? I'm, bad, bad idea, let me loose with power tools. That's all I'm saying. It could be a massacre, right? Pointing up on the end of them ladders, trying to cut stuff. 
But um, what's interesting is, like, there is a time for stuff, right? A time to, okay, do you know what's really brilliant? You know what's really, really brilliant about, what, about grace? The time to sow is now. It's now. Why? Because this is the day of the Lord's favor, right? So sometimes we go, it's not the right time. Right? Because of this, 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 and this. It's not the right time. The Lord says, it's exactly the right time. Why? Because you're in a time of favor. You see it in faith. So that's why it requires faith. Now let me just show you something. It's, um, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians 9, it instructs us. So that there's our difficulties. It's about, we, don't, we can't see the seed being what it looks like in fruit. We look at our own lives and we go, it's all about over the place. And then also we look at timing and we go, this is not, you know, I hear what you're saying, but it's not the right time for me. And the Lord goes, seriously? When I said, this is the day of my favor on your life, how much favor do you think you're going to have in three months? Any more than you have now? Think again. That's not being smart. That's a fear response. It requires faith in grace. Now, 2 Corinthians 9 is really brilliant on this stuff. And I'm telling you this to encourage you because let's lift the bar. I am so sick and tired of stuff out in the world. You know that? Cost of living, the price of gas. and I, I get it. I, I, but we've got to capture something here. As we get into this year, we cannot go into next year the way that we're doing it this year. We just can't. We've got to have bold faith and expectation that the word of God will move no matter what we see with our eyes. You get that? 2 Corinthians 9 tells us this. It says that, like Paul, I've read um, through 1 and 2 Corinthians this week and uh, in my own reading, and it's, it's the importance of giving, you know, is, is like as we give, God replenishes. He, it, it's very clear in 2 Corinthians, particularly 2 Corinthians 9. Let me just read it to you. 9 verse 8. God is able, now listen to that. Go and take it slowly. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Amen? Amen. All favor towards you. God can do it, right? That you always having all sufficiency in all things. Amen? I'm going, that's good news. May have an abundance for what? For every good work. The work of the church is good work. The work of God's grace in your life is good work. The work of us being able to support, you know, I haven't told anyone else, but I, I agreed that we would support Nettlefield Primary School. And heck, if we can't do it, I'll do it out of my own pocket to bring three or 400 kids to crown Jesus for Christmas so they hear the gospel. That's good work. But we can't do it if we don't have any dough. You get that? This is what he's talking about. I'm just letting you know that, by the way. Um, Paul and Jillian are probably going, oh, flip, okay. Make a note because you'll probably get a phone call about it. But I hear that. I go, that's, that's what we're, you know, there's a primary school. They don't have the budget for it. But they've got three or 400 kids who want to go to crown Jesus. And I know those guys do a cracking job. Give them a big pantomime and stuff and that. But they tell them about Jesus. Where else are those three or 400 kids going to hear about Jesus this Christmas? Do you get it, folks? That's why God gives us, that's why we sow, so that we will have an abundance for good work, right? Now, may he who supplies what seed to who? The sower. And bread for food. What's really interesting here, there's a principle in your life. Do not negate the grace. When you walk in law, Right? And law is performance based on your own self. Right? What happens is you, have, you either have the, the seed in your hand, you either eat it, but you're actually eating it yourself, and you don't sow it. What does the Lord say? I'll give more seed to he who sows. Do you get that? Now, the other side of that is if you don't sow, you probably are seeing a restriction in the amount of seed that you have. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. For the administration of this service not only applies to the needs of the saints, that's us, but is also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. So I, I don't want to go into it too much because I think that speaks for itself. But we know what we're saying here is that under grace, right, when we respond in faith, that God blesses those who give generously and give cheerfully. Do you see that? That's how it works. It's interesting that I'm not going to talk about tithing today, but if you've not caught the heart of God for tithing, I might teach it in January, then ask the Lord about it for 2023. You get me? Do you know what 10 means in the Bible? Does anyone know? Let me just tell, let's look at this from a Hebrew perspective. 
Um, people go, oh, the tithing's under the law. We'll deal with all that, all right? You know what I think about that? When people say to me, tithing is under the law, I go, so you're under grace, right? So that means you'll go way beyond what the law demanded? Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, no, so you yeah. <laughs> Really? Because we've been set free from the law. So you're set free from the law, you'll do more than what the law demanded. Is that what, like, hmm. that's when it starts to get slightly awkward for people. But the number 10 is really interesting. Tithe is, is 10%. And it's mentioned 242 times in the Bible. I was reading about this this week. It has a special meaning. We know that six is man, seven is completeness. 10 is an interesting one in the Gematria. It, it's a, it talks about authority. Now listen to this. Completeness of order and responsibility. Now, there's a belief with rabbis, okay, particularly, and uh, I, I think this is really interesting, that with regard to 10, that it means holiness. So that thing of authority and order, the completeness of order, but they, they like rabbis today, and uh, this is up-to-date modern stuff I was reading, they, they talk about 10 being holy. What does that mean? Whenever the Lord sees your faith response to so 10%, right? What happens is he sees the 10% as the whole. You get that? So your 10% giving is the Lord, when he looks at that, when you do that in faith, it's like you giving it all to him. Does that make sense? Okay. So we go 10%. And do you know what the, the truth of it is? We, I've even taught it myself, and it's wrong, so I'm going to correct it now. The Lord can do more with the 90 than you could do with the 100. I think we're missing the point. Because actually, what is this about? I had this revelation this week for the first time again in my own life. It's about authority. Do you get it? It's like my faith response is, you are my authority. And the right order is you first, and then everything is added to me. And so that 10% represents it all to God. And he sees when you respond that way, it's you are giving it all to him, and he moves to bless. He gives seed to the sower. Does that make sense? I love that. There's so much in that revelation, actually. I loved it. Because actually that, why 10? Why not 20? Why not 30? Why not this, that, and the other, and, and all the rest of it? But it's, it's, listen, let me give you the last bit of it. What's the holy bit? So 10 represents the whole. And um, it's about authority. 10 is the number of authority and, and completeness or rightness of order. So it's like, Lord, you're my authority. Think about the things that are going to try to take authority in your life next year, in your head and in your heart. From the media to fear to everything else, going to wear the authority. We will dictate how you live and how you do. And the Lord says, no, 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 I'm the authority. How do we show that in response is to take what Jesus says is the least and say, Lord, in faith, even though I can't see what it's going to look like, I believe that you've already prepared the harvest for me in every area. And so that's my response. Now, what's interesting is this. The 10, and when it comes to holiness, the way in a Hebrew mind, in a Jewish mind, is something holy enough, right? That when God creates it, right? That they, they say this, that, that that becomes, listen, I love this line. It becomes a resting place for God's glory. Holy smokes. A resting place for the Shekinah, they call it, the presence of God. I, I, as I give, this has become a resting place for the glory and the presence of God himself. And what happens? Where is God? There is life and fullness and abundance. Even under the law, they see it. The glory of God rests when I give to him. That's a place of his presence. And where his presence is, oh man, how many verses do you want? Fullness of joy, fullness, completeness, wholeness. Is that not a brilliant revelation? He's my authority. I'm, I'm not going into 2023 any other way other than saying, Jesus, over me and my house, you're, you're our authority. 100%. 100%. Why, why would we do it anyway? Let me just give you a couple of bits of the Bible. Is this okay? Is anyone capturing something of the heart of God for you? We say, well, let's not sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Let's put some oomph behind that next year. 
Because it's not just about this. Remember I said prosperity is about the presence of Jesus. Oh man, do you see how this, like I, I didn't have that kind of thought only when I started to read about, I actually started with, what do the Jews think about this, right? Now forget Old Testament versus New Testament and all that kind of stuff. Like what, what's a rabbi look at? That's what my head went. This is what goes on in my head sometimes. So I started to look it up and that's what I saw. And I just thought, flip me. It's like, you start to draw the lines and you go, Genesis 39. It's like, you have God's presence with you, even under the law, and we're not under law, but God's presence is with you and you're prosperous. So what happens is the same picture of I give this 10 being authority and completeness and holiness. This is now a place of God's Shekinah presence. And where his presence is, I'm prospered. If you think about your money, you're thinking far too small, but it includes your money. Why? Because it's the least. Jesus says, it's the only area where we're told to test God. Let me prove it to you. The Lord's wanting to prove to you his goodness and his faithfulness. But remember, don't negate grace by living back under the law of holding it for yourself. I think that's a cracker. I'm going to dig more into that one myself personally. So how can you do it? Let me go to 1 Kings. I love, uh, I love some of these stories that I heard many years ago. In 1 Kings, like how can you sow in faith and take in faith and sow in faith, Right? It's never going to be through sight. But the, the Lord just is so good to show us time and time again in a million different ways why we can have confidence today and have faith in grace. In 1 Kings 17, it's the same story almost as Isaac. What's happening in the land? There's drought. There's famine, right? Elijah's a prophet. He goes from like the tops of seeing God move to being massively depressed and wanting to top himself, all within like a few chapters. It's a, it's a brilliant character, right? But God tells him to go to, to go to Cherith Brook or the Brook Cherith. And what God says is he's telling him to move and there's famine and all the rest of it. And there's just this one line. It says this. It's an example of how God works. He says, I've commanded ravens to feed you there. So Elijah can't see it. He's been asked to move. He's, he, he, needs, he needs provision. Literally, he needs to be fed, like properly fed. And what the Lord says is, you know, sometimes what we do is we go, actually, Lord, I'm here, just feed me, right? But we never grow up when that happens. Do you get that? You never learn how to operate in faith, to take steps into the goodness of God, the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of God's love for us. When we just go, come on, God. Jesus didn't do that. Do you see that? Read read, read G all the way through the, he, he called people. You know, he, he, he challenged them. He encouraged them to, to step beyond the level of their fear. And so what the Lord says here to Elijah is go there, right? On the other side of you moving, on the other side of your, because that was faith for Elijah to move, right? Because he doesn't know if he's going to get fed. Like, but what's on the other side of that? I have already commanded blessing for you. It's there, but faith says, I've got to move to there. On the other side of your giving, there is already provision. Do you get that? But you've got to operate in faith in what grace can do and see yourself on that other side. Now, it's interesting for me that it's an example of how God works. Now, it's interesting that God's provision here was not based on Elijah's goodness, not on his talent, his skill, his prophetic ability, because um, he was a prophet. It wasn't based on his track record either. See, when God looked at him, as he looks at you this morning, the Lord says, I've already provided it. Do you know that your brook Cherith is already there with the provision that you need already there? Amen, anyone? I can't see it. No, the Lord says, take a step of faith and go. Move, take some movement. And what happens is, you know, God didn't respond just because he went there. He had already commanded it for him. Do you get that? It wasn't like he moved, therefore God responds. God had already set it up for him to walk into, right? His grace had already provided for him, but he had to walk into that grace. Is anyone getting it? So that's where, for me, I go, you know, I, I, I believe for myself that the provision and the blessing often that, that I really need is not always sent to me where I am because God is calling me from what? From grace to grace and glory to glory. He goes, if you stay here, I can't lead you into the fullness of what I have for you. I've got to move you. 
I want to move you. Why? So that you see more of who I am. Because you don't want to stay in the same place, replaying the same scenes in your life. Like, think about where you are today. Would you honestly be, like, massively happy if you had no more revelation and experience of God in five years' time as to what you have this morning? Anyone? I, who goes, no, Lord, I want more. Any, no, let me see it. Who wants more? And he says, well, look, it's already there. You've got to move, though. That's why Jesus said when he comes along, and for nearly everyone that he encounters, there is a step of faith required into the grace that he's provided for. But make no bones about it. He's already provided for you. It's there and it's done. That's God's grace. And it's, like, it's almost like that obedience to God. He didn't respond when you give. He's already made provision and already made uh, the way to, for you to prosper there. And so it, it takes faith not to move God. You don't need to move God, but it takes faith to receive what he has already provided. So you have to do simply more than saying, I trust you. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but say, Lord, even though my knees may quake, even though my emotions may be up and down, in 2023, I'm going to take a step of faith. Because that is what will unlock grace. Now, Romans 5.2 says the same thing. We access, isn't it? We access by faith, yeah, that's it, into this grace, right? We access by faith into this grace. Can I just say one thing to finish? Is this okay? Are you feeling encouraged this morning? Yeah, like this is what the word does. The word comes sometimes and there's this boom collision of what we're absorbed in in the world all week and what the truth of the word of God is. Do you get that? And I, I, I honestly, I mean, I've been thinking for myself this week in, in moments, you know, where you reflect and you go, like, I like my life. You know, I absolutely, you know, I've got a great life in many respects. You know, great wifey, great kids. You know, um, and for the most part, you lot are all right. You know, and I'm only kidding. <laughs> There's not anything substantially wrong. Do you know what I mean? This is not like fundamentally broken. But I just kind of realize, like, I just have these thoughts all the time. I've had been having this week of going, Lord, and as much as this is all great, that there's something in me that goes, but there must be something more. And those two things can coexist. Do you get that? That's not one, that's not a, an ungrateful heart of going, I'm not happy, Lord, because I don't have this, this, and this. You know, you can have this yearning for grace upon grace in your life. To go like, what would, out Jesus' name, what would it be like? <laughs> Sorry, joke. What would it be like? <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's the old charismatic in me. Anyone sneezing in a meeting, you were casting it out of them. And, um, <laughs> oh, getting the look, move on. And so uh, I'll preach over here. All right, getting the look. But going like the, the, the two th the two things can coexist, folks. You can you can have this really like uh, this is good. I'm not saying this is bad, but there must be something more. And there is. That's what the Lord's speaking to you about. Don't replay the same scenes. You have been called from grace to grace and glory to glory. You don't need to fight the same battles through 2023 when the Lord's putting this word in your heart. Because I believe when Jesus says it's the least. It means that everything that comes after that is just bonkers good. You get that? It's like, let's not be distracted with this stuff. Let's learn to, like, like there is a lot of growing up in faith. Do you get that? And growing up in grace. That's where people just don't get it right, quite frankly. Just don't know how to grow up. If you read Paul, he says to the church, you can't just feed yourself on milk all the time. You've got to get onto solid food. You get that? You want to live like a child, that's fine. But the Lord's called you for so much more. Right? Why is that? Because there's more to the goodness of God, more to the love of God, more to experiencing the grace of God. And he's sitting there with it going, it's already there. But don't be distracted. Don't negate grace in my life, in your life, because of the, the least. Amen? Here's the last thing I just want to say. Um, check your, check, you know, in Psalm 150, no, Psalm 50, just making stuff up now. Um, what, what the Lord's really interested in this morning is, is actually your heart. Did I put those verses up in Psalm 50? Uh, so he sets the context. Yeah, it says, listen, my people, and uh, 
and I'll speak. This is, this is, this is God. You kind of go in this morning, is God a hard taskmaster? Just listen to what he says. Yeah, I fucking love this, right? He says, listen to my people and I'll speak. I'll testify against you, Israel. I am your God, your God. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, right? Which are ever before me. So not a problem about what you're doing, right? I, uh, I have no need of a bull from your stall. You hear that? I don't need um, goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine. The cattle of a thousand hills, it's all mine. I love this. I know every bird in the mountains. The insects in the fields are mine. If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. This is God we're coming to, right? For the world is mine. And all that's in it. Do I eat the flesh of a bull or drink the blood of goats? It's almost like we're going, here, folks, wise up. Don't forget who I am. See this positioning yourself with the pre- my presence. I own it all anyway. You are in no way responsible. Don't be thinking it's about you. If I was hungry, the Lord says, I wouldn't come near you. I don't need to. Why? Because I own it all anyway. So we're not given to the Lord because he is lacking. We're given to the Lord to position ourselves for his presence and his glory. You get that? We're not doing him a favor because it's all his anyway. Every source of supply in your life is in the hands of God. And he is the one behind it all. He will open channels, close channels, open doors, close doors as he sees fit. Why? Because he owns it all. I love that. It's almost like, Lord, I need to renew my mind around this. What's my motivation here? Like I'm doing you a favor. Um, I'm doing this for good. This is not for God's sake. It's for my sake. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, this is not about me needing something. This is about you needing something. <laughs> it's completely the other way around. Why? Because I've owned it all anyway. You buck agent. Do you get the sense of what the Lord's saying there? Many, many people just don't get it. Why does God ask you to give? It's true that you're giving helps, but the real reason, I mean, God could have set it up differently. Why does he do that? But he chooses us. He chooses us. And like one of the ways that we, we in our relationship of trust is we, we show it in the most practical of things because he's our source. Deuteronomy 8 says this, doesn't he? Remember God, it's he who gives you the power to get wealth. I don't want to ever live my life thinking that it's me who does it. That's really dangerous. Because in a moment, anything can change. That's the world system. It is not secure. In a moment, anything can change. Your pension fund can collapse, right? Like we could have the 08 collapse all around again and your pension will be worth nothing anyway. Even the biggest businesses in the world can go. You get me? I go, thank you, Jesus. When I read Psalm 50, I go, it's all yours anyway. Thank goodness my hope is not in the system of the world. Isn't that, isn't that good news? It's not in the system of the world. It's where, it's in the, in the goodness of God. And so let me finish by just saying this. I, I hope you've been encouraged this morning that, you know, I really want you to flow in God's grace next year. I want you to flow in his favor. I want you to flow in his blessing. I want you to come to the end of self-reliance, self-effort, and stress. I want you to stop being people who go, God is good, but I take no faith based on his goodness, no steps of faith. I want us to encourage each other in this church to be generous in how we give, to not be gnarly about it or difficult about it. Why? Because It's for him and his glory. I want you to capture a revelation today that whenever the Lord speaks to you, because I know he's speaking to you this morning. Do you know why? Because he always does. Why? Because he needs it? No, because you need it. We need it. We need more of his presence in our lives. Yes or no? That's the truth. We're not buying it. We're responding to it. This is the least. This stuff's the least. But when I see that, isn't it great, right? Because you know what, like what do you know, do you know what law does? The law says you give every hundred percent, right, of your effort. Your, and the Lord says actually, what happens here is your response of just a, a small amount, right, 
establish, establishes authority, my glory, and my presence. Boom, and I bless. That's humble. That's a great deal. Amen? So who's going to say no to fear? Come on, folks. Are we just going to sing it or are we going to say no to it? I, I, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> That's why we tithe. That's why we honor God. About his presence, about his, about his glory. It's about saying, Lord, that's why we're generous. And because of that, and I can do it because I'm already prospered. Every time I do it, I've moved myself to Brick Cherith, where his provision was already there. Not good. What do you think, Alan? Like that? Okay. So let's stand to our feet and we're going to respond. Take it there. Just close your eyes for a moment. And uh, don't let this moment pass, okay? Don't let this moment pass. Father, in this place this morning, we thank you that you are, your word comes, your grace comes to lead us into a deeper revelation and understanding and experience of you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for that. Everything you do is motivated out of love. Lord, you are, when you say you delight in shallah, you delight in seeing us move forward. You're a God of momentum. You're a God of change. You're a God who develops us and moves us and grows us. Lord, it's fine to be kids for a while, but Lord, you have called us to be like a prophetic voice to this city and to this nation, Lord. A prophetic voice of grace that says no to the narrative of the world and says yes to you and your work. And so Jesus, we today, Lord, as the seed of your word has gone into our heart for some of us, to encourage us again, for some of us to, to challenge us again, for some of us to stir us again, for some of us to just reinforce what you're already saying to us and doing us, Lord. We, we say thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it always brings freedom. It always brings life. Lord, we are not going to be natural, naturally sighted people, Lord, who live our lives not in faith, but just by what we can see and clinging on to the, this kind of half-baked notion of grace as some kind of life belt. You've called us for way more than that. You've called us to be a strong church, a church with a voice to speak into men and women and children, to show them a better way, the way of Jesus, to show them a better future, which is one based on your hope and your life, Lord. And so in this place today, as your word has gone forward, I pray as it takes, you know, you don't need, remember, the problem is just looking at your life and get your eyes off yourself, off your life, off your circumstances and get them planted onto Jesus this morning. And I pray that as you do that, that you would be clear in the steps of faith that he's asking you to take. Clear in the faith that he's asking you to move into. Because on the other side of it, there is prosperity and abundance like you've never seen before. Why? He loves you and he's good all the time. So we're not going to replay the same scenes, Lord. We're not going to go around the same old circles, Lord. We're not going to live at the bottom of the mountain, Lord, because tikvah, that Hebrew thought of hope, where we walk to the summit, where we go round and you lead us in paths of righteousness to the place of hope. I pray that this morning over our church for 2023. This is year is done and it's finished, but we set ourselves up with a posture of faith for you to move in our lives, in our families, in our businesses, in our church. And all God's people said, amen. So Lord, we take your body this morning. We take this um, um, bread, Lord, and we say thank you. Lord, we say thank you that um, you bled and died on that cross for us. Your body was broken. And Father, we thank you that for every sickness, 
in body and mind this morning has been healed in Jesus' name. And in faith this morning, if you are sick, wherever you are, or if you're depressed, or if you're struggling, in faith this morning, we eat and we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that your provision is readily available. And in faith this morning, I'm receiving it. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your blood poured out. Lord, your blood has removed every sin and every transgression from us. Amen. Your past is done, folks. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed it from you. Do you know why that's important? Has anyone ever thought about that? Do you know there's a place where north and south meet? It's called the equator. You know that? East and west never meet. You just keep going round and round. That's a wee fact for you. But it makes you think, doesn't it? He didn't say as far as the north is from the south, so far as I have I ever moved. Because there's a point where those two things meet. But it's the everlasting goodness of God going east to west. You're always in traveling in one direction or the other. So he goes, there's, you know, you'll never come to the end of a place where my trans- your transgressions are not meant. All because of the blood of Jesus. And so Father, we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus, that this morning as we drink this, our declaration of faith is we are righteous. Amen. We are loved. We are accepted this morning. We are prosperous. We have your presence with us, Lord. We have been given the ability to boldly come to you every day and expect, Lord, as your sons and your daughters, that we will see your goodness in these days, Lord. Why? Because you're good. Your blood has proved it and shown it to us. And so we drink and we say, thank you, Lord. Amen.